0: Okay. Hello and welcome to Sport Professor Podcast, the show of the sports student and fan who wants to learn more about the underpinnings of the sporting world. I'm your professor, Dr. Drew Sikansky, and today I'll be joined by a special guest to discuss working in college athletics, the biggest challenges University Athletic Administrations face, and the perks of being employed in the fast-paced world of intercollegiate sport. So if you've ever wondered what happens behind the scenes of your favorite college team or what it's like to work in college athletics then this podcast is for you so sit back relax and enjoy the sport professor podcast Today, we're going to be joined by the Director of Development for the Chanticleer Athletic Foundation, Kelly Moore. Now, instead of me talking about her, I'll let her begin by telling you all a little bit about herself. So maybe you can just begin just really easily by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background working in sport and within sport management.
1: Sure. My name is Kelly Moore, and I am the Director of Development for the Chanticleer Athletic Foundation at Coastal Carolina University. My background within sport management stemmed from my undergraduate experience at Coastal Carolina, where I was a recreation and leisure management major up until my junior year when they added sports management to it. Mm -hmm. I graduated from there, received my first professional opportunity to work within the athletic department at Coastal Carolina. My duties at that time included working with the marketing department. In the sponsorship department. So I specifically was tasked with the community relations aspect in, internally within a hundred-mile radius of Coastal Carolina. So working with businesses mm-hmm. or alumni and community members that lived relatively close. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, our football program was relatively new, so we were getting that word out there. I think we were only three years into having our football program Another part of my duty related to the student body so I was responsible for the in-game atmosphere usually what that's called is a promotion coordinator so your in-game atmosphere during your timeout the context the graphics working with sponsors to create timeouts that give a, a, a attractive prize to fans or students and then again with the student body planning any that were away, or any fan engagement that related to the student body at that point. Okay. So I started my career that way. A couple of years later, I, I fell into the coaching aspect of college athletics. So I began coaching the cheerleading program on top of being the MC for our home game events, basketball, football, baseball, softball, soccer, and volleyball. Wow. So that was a great tie-in because I was already working with sponsorship and, and creating those promotional aspects and then I could grab the spirit squad and really intertangle them together which is what working in college athletics is. Your hands going to be in a lot of different pots. It's kind of an all-in effort especially mm-hmm. at, at that time a smaller university. Now it's, it's a completely different university yeah. uh, but back then that's how I started. From there, my career, I focused more on the coaching aspect, and I took a job at Southern Methodist University directly with the Spirit Squad. I was there for a year, got to get my feet wet in in a pretty big program. It's a private institution, so they were funded a little bit differently. So I kind of got a glimpse into how you work with donors as well. After spending a year there, I was recruited by James Madison University in Virginia uh, to run their in-game atmosphere again and work in their community relations for the entire athletic department with their athletes and also be the head coach for their spirit programs as well. That institution does a phenomenal and exceptional job with their in atmosphere and their student-athlete experience. So after spending seven years there, I felt really great about the opportunity to come back to Coastal work in the development office and really helped Coastal forge into the new era of SBS play. So that's a a little bit about my background.
0: It's interesting how you kind of have come full circle back to where you began everything back at Coastal, but in a new role. Can you maybe talk about the the new role that you have at Coastal and how that connects with some of the past work that you did at Coastal working in the marketing and sponsorship?
1: Sure. So the new role in development, different institutions have it set up a little differently. You can hear it as their foundation office or their development office. Essentially, what my job is, is to generate donations either philanthropically, which Mm. means uh, people who have a connection with the university who want to give just on the basis of giving, not necessarily for receiving anything. And then I also deal with the transactional giving as well. So those donations that are tied to your season tickets or your parking or any events that we have, that's typically going to go into what's considered your annual or your operational fund. So how that kind of ties in with what I did before is, is understanding when you're working with sponsorship, you have to find out what that client essentially needs or wants, what that benefit is for them. If we're working with Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. and we're doing a and chicken contest mm-hmm. where Somebody kicks a field goal from the from the 50 yard line. They win Chick fil A for a year. What is the benefit to Chick fil A for that? One is exposure to at that point when I was here to 7,500 people six times a year. Okay, so you have six home games, you can held 7,500 people at that point. Okay, mm-hmm. um, what that also does is not only are you hearing it, but you're also going to see it we're gonna put it on the video board. And and in my PA read, I have to say their name three times. So okay. three times times seventy five hundred people, that's just what they hear. And then what they see, you count those those hits essentially as to as to what they're getting. Are we the market for them? Is is the college age student or is the demographic of our fan what they're looking for? If it is then that's an easy pitch for me. Now, if I translate that over into the the philanthropic side, I now have to take a look at what is it that Coastal Carolina Athletics can offer people if they want people to know who they are. I'm going to look at naming rights. Hey, I know that you want to leave a legacy for your family. You want Mm -hmm. your family name to carry on. Here at Coastal Carolina, we've got 12,000 students plus. And within Athletics, here's how many people – Come, come to a game in any given time. Here's how many hits that your name is going to get.
2: Yeah. Now,
1: if it's somebody who on the opposite side doesn't at all want their name out there, there's other opportunities and I would have to approach that differently. So working in sponsorship and finding out what it is the client wants has directly affected how I'm able to explain to a potential donor how they can impact and how we can impact them
0: and vice versa. So it sounds like, just like if you're selling a ticket, everything you're doing is sales related. Difference is you're just selling them a different product. You're selling them on something that's completely different than just coming to the game. Something I like to talk to students a lot about, it's it's that notion of sales is so important into just getting your foot in the door um, within sport management because so much of what you do is interactional base in which we're trying to sell a product or an experience or something to a consumer base. It just, it sounds like within your experience, it just, you're just changing your target market from a corporation that is going to want things slightly different than what that individual person might want in making a donation to the university.
1: Absolutely. And I do think a key difference that we like to think about is I'm not selling you a product. I'm creating a relationship. Mm, So when you're creating a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it is a, any type of relationship, you've got to find that common bond. And so my job is what's the common bond between Coastal Carolina University and potential donor A? Mm -hmm. Is it that they're an alumni? And I can walk them on campus and say, when you were here in 2001, this building wasn't even here. But us being here, us creating this attendance, allows the students now to have a different experience, a better experience. Especially when I'm working with some of our former football players, I can go back and it's a unique opportunity because I was here as a cheerleader when the football team started. Mm-hmm. So I remember them loading up in the back of pickup trucks and driving over to a, a high school field for practice while our stadium was being built. So now I get that opportunity to say, hey, do you remember when you created the way for Coastal Carolina football to now be an SBS? potentially bowl-eligible program, you were in the back of a pickup truck <laughs>
2: yeah. going to
1: the golf Look what you have done. Yeah. So I find that connection to them, and it, it, and it's just like anything. You, you can tell if somebody truly believes mm-hmm. what they're doing, and I truly have a passion for Coastal Carolina and gotcha. Coastal carolina Africa. Yeah. So you can't just insert person A into trying to create this relationship which is really cool for me to be able to say, "Hey, I lived this with you. I mm-hmm. experienced this with you," and that's the unique—that's the unique difference of selling a product and creating a relationship.
0: So, how do you go? How did you go about over your time working in college sports developing that skill set of being able to be so good at developing those relationships and then make that final pitch to the fact that they want to actually donate money back to you?
1: Well, I think the key thing, and, and I recommend this to. Anybody that come along that has a, a, a desire to work in sports, mm-hmm. number one, you have to know your field. Yes. If you don't know and you don't have a beat on what's going on, you're, you're not going to be able to, especially in my business, you're not going to be able to essentially sell somebody to join you. If you aren't believable, if you aren't knowledgeable, you're not going to be credible. Yeah. So Anybody who wants to work in sports needs to know their field. What I like to say is, become the expert. You may not know everything, but you need to know more than anybody else around you in that regard. Uh, I need to know everything there is about Coastal Carolina athletics. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I, I am not the best at knowing football stats, but you know, I need mean? I need to know who that person is yeah. that I can refer or I can call or I can find out for them. So that's number one. Is is know your product, be an expert. And number two is is have a passion. Working in athletics is hard and it is grueling, and you are going to work nights and weekends. You're you may miss holidays, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if you truly have a passion for it, then it's not work. It it is that athletics department becomes your family. There's going to be times where you don't like each other. There's going to be times (laughs) where, just like your sister or your brother, you might want to. You know, I don't know. Go outside <laughs> and have a backyard brawl, but at yeah. the end of the day, you're in it together. And and understanding that component that it's not all daisies and it's it's not all glory, and you've got to work hard before you get to go that bowl game,
2: mm-hmm. is
1: it, super important. I think in today's society, it's really easy to say, "Hey, I deserved it," or, or there there's an entitlement in in that realm. With, with an athletics, you can't have that entitlement. You got to pay your due. You got to work hard. Two years ago, when we hosted the ACC women's basketball tournament here, I was down at, at 3 a.m. putting in that that new basketball yeah. floor yep. with 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 everybody, and that's what you do. So, knowing your expectations, I think is the the most the second most important thing. Knowing your product, expecting that you're going to have to get your hands dirty, and understanding that you're going to have to work. That Sunday night game, not everybody gets to wake up and and be the AD. you got to work
0: hard. In my mind, everything you said is so linked together because just you, you said you need to have a passion. Passion comes through in people when you're interacting so clearly. And everything that we're doing within sport management is interactional based. And if you have a passion about it, then you're actually going to be driven to become more knowledgeable, to seek out information, to learn as much as you can. And you can't fake that. Especially, I feel like in today's day and age, you can't fake having that knowledge base or you can't fake having that passion because if you don't know the answer or you don't know where to go get the answer, that person is just going to go figure it out themselves, spend their own time, and then that ruins the relationship that you're trying to build. Having that knowledge and trying to become an expert in whatever it is you want to do is such a great starting point or at least knowing where to go to look, which kind of brings back to a point I love to make about being genuine in your interactions with people. Because people can sense when you're being disingenuous. They can sense, especially in your career where you are asking for money, sometimes small sums, sometimes large sums of money. If you're not genuine in everything that you do, the person isn't going to trust you that you're going to actually take their money and do something good with it. So I feel like that's such an important part. And it's a great way uh, also for people to know how to get started. Because, like you said, not only are you going to be working bad hours, even after you've paid your dues, you're still going to be doing that. When you start out, you're going to be working the worst hours and doing the worst jobs. You're you're going to be down there running errands for people. You're going to pull the short straw on all the shifts. They could have you going and doing wash for the basketball team, or having to set up the court or the stadium, or cleaning up the stadium after a late game. Uh, All this stuff that no one else wants to do. But if you go into that with a passion and a positive attitude, And through that, you try to gain more and more knowledge from the people who are employed at the university around you. I feel like that's how you set yourself apart from all the other people that are still competing for that same job after the internship or after that entry-level position.
1: You know, without question, that's 100% true, and it's funny that you say that. When I was a student-athlete here, I had a really good mentor who worked in the athletic department, Mm -hmm. and he is now... um, second in charge at, at Old Dominion University, who's responsible for bringing football to Coastal and bringing football to ODU. Yeah. And he happened to be my mentor, and he said to me as as I was a senior at Coastal, he pulled me aside, he said, like, Kelly, you know, I, I really want to to mold you into becoming somebody who's going to work in college athletics, because I had expressed that interest in him, and he said, my number one piece of advice is make yourself indispensable. I mm-hmm. said, what do you mean? he said, Go learn how to run the music at, at a soccer game. Go learn how to work the washing machine in the basketball locker room. He mm-hmm. said, make it so if anything were to go wrong, people will call you because you know how to do it all. Make yeah. yourself indispensable. Do you think I wanted to wash laundry? Absolutely not. Do you <laughs> think I wanted to, as a senior in college, spend my Thursday night at a soccer game playing music? No. But guess what? I did it. Yep. And I met so many people through that, and I learned so much, and it truly did create even more of an excitement and a passion, and me getting time Mm -hmm. with those people without question helped me get a job right away after graduation. I walked across the stage, had a paycheck the next month, and that's really, really exciting to be able to say for somebody who's graduating college, and then... Fast forward, I'm gone from the university for eight years and was asked to come back, was offered a position back because they remembered that work Mm ethic. So for sure, you're 100% right.
0: Yeah, and and your story reminds me, I, I have two favorite quotes and two different people told me these when I was in high school. One of them was a biology teacher and he used to just say this all the time in our class. And it kind of got to be annoying, but it, it just stuck with me. And he always would say, to be the best, all you have to do is work harder than everyone else. His point was, it's really simple to be good at something. All you have to do is work harder than any other person, and you will get to be good at it. And that applies so it applies to everything that we do, but so much in sport where the competition for jobs is so high. Uh, we talked about this on past episodes about you have 100 to 200 people applying to work in minor league baseball for one job opening. How do you set yourself apart? Well, work harder than everyone else. And you can show that through internships. And the second thing, I in another life, I wanted to be a medical doctor and I was kind of following around a doctor and I would mentor him throughout an entire summer. He said that if you can do one thing better than everyone else, you will carve out a niche for yourself in life. Now, he was speaking of it in like reference to if you can do one surgery or one procedure better than everyone else, you'll carve out a niche. But it's true in everything. If If you know how to do things better than anyone else, probably through working harder than everyone else, then you're always going to have a position for yourself. You're going to create the need for you. So the problem is, is that both of those things take time to develop and they take a lot of effort. And it seems like a lot of times students nowadays don't want to put in that time or effort and they just want it handed to them. And I think their perception is just a little bit off. They think when they graduate college, they'll be able to come out and just get a job just like you did very easily, simply They'll walk into something they don't recognize. How hard it is not only in our field, but really in every field, coming out with just an undergraduate degree just to get a job.
1: It's extremely difficult to do it, and the only reason I was able to is because as a student athlete, I was and as a student, I was involved in every club, volunteered mm. at every athletic event possible. You're a thousand percent right. You have to put in the work to get noticed. Everybody wants to work in sports. That is a sport management major. Yep, that's a given. So not only in your class, if you look who's in your graduating class, maybe it's, it's 100 people in your program. That 100 people, plus all the other universities around the country, there are 100 people are competing for one job. Yeah. And you're exactly right. How do you stick out?
0: Yeah. To switch topics up a little bit, can you maybe talk about your experience and what you see kind of just around that idea of, of challenges and getting students to come to games at a mid-sized state university with a football team that sometimes is really good and sometimes not so much?
1: Well, i, I like to say that, you know, it's, it's unique to Coastal Carolina, our situation, but it's trending across the country yeah. that student attendance is down. So it's very easy for me to sit here and, and say, well, our student population is made mostly up from the Northeast and Northeast usually has a stronger allegiance to the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's very simple and easy for me to say. Um, the, the difficulty with that for me is you don't need an excuse. What you need to do, and this is a, a great advice for any sport manager, um, any student who's looking to go to sport management, uh, look at the problem, identify the problem, identify the opportunity to, to fix that problem. So here at Coastal Carolina, Yes, our student attendance in the past, has been lackluster at times. Is yeah. it because the opponents that we're playing aren't recognizable to our student body? Is that it? Is it because there's not a, a tailgate atmosphere? What is that problem? How do we fix it?
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing about, about coastline, you're right, It's it's not a coastal issue, but some recent articles have come out talking about how students are being priced out of tickets. But Talking about that at schools like Alabama or Ohio State would actually have to pay for tickets. At Coastal, they get them for free. And when you talk to the students, it's almost as if they don't know why they don't go. They just don't care. And it's, it's as simple as that. And when you really try to delve into the why, it's almost as they try to create the why themselves. So it's, well, it's this or this. And then you educate them and say, well, that's actually not the case. And they just switch to another reason. It's just a complete disinterest in the student population in my experience there. And I think that's fairly true across other institutions as well, that students' interest in college football outside of maybe your top 60 programs or maybe even your top 25 programs, they, it's just not there for whatever reason that just declining interest in them at those institutions. But I wonder, do you have similar problems now that as you're trying to get donors over the last couple of years, have you recognized that there's a decrease in individuals wanting to donate money to the athletic department, or I know it is a means to get access to sport teams?
1: As we were talking about it, one of the things I thought of is, do we isolate our athletes so much away from the student body or away from the community? Yes, we do community service events, mm-hmm. um, but do, do we isolate them where people aren't feeling Connection. If you think about why you go to something, it's for your entertainment. Whether it's a sporting event or whether it's to a movie or to a mall, whatever it is, you do something because you feel connected to it. Yeah. So, are we missing the boat on connecting our student athletes? I will say, not in relation to football, but in, in another sport, we have seen a decline in attendance, or we've seen a decline in donations on the premium level. You know, and, and is it because they? they don't feel connected to the coach. When we're dealing with people on the donor end, yes, they want to have a connection with the student-athlete, but there are NCAA rules and there are NCAA restrictions that do restrict a donor and an athlete interaction. So most of the people that I deal with understand that, and they want to feel connected to the coaching staff. What we need to do is find a way, and our staff has talked about it, how can we utilize not only our head coach, Chris Moglia, but the staff that he brought in. Summer, we did do that. We had a meet, meet the coaches event where we brought in our new offensive coordinator and our new defensive coordinator and allowed people to come and hear them speak because now that they're creating that relationship with that coach, they want to see that coach win. It's about like, Oh man, let's if our defense has gotten better based on, you know, what, what coach told us was going to happen at the meet the coaches event or, Let's see if our running backs are better. You know, that type of stuff. They, they want the coaches to win. So that's kind of the, the path that we've started taking. Um, mm-hmm. Let's connect our player, our coaches with our donors.
0: Yeah, and that's, I, I didn't even think about that, but I look at Coastal, and the most successful team, it's not even arguable, is baseball. And mm-hmm. and the greatest connection between a coach in the community in Myrtle Beach and Conway is the baseball team's coach who's been there for 30 some years, who stayed around and seen the team grow and and declined offers to move elsewhere to maybe make more money. It feels like the community has an ownership stake in him and his success. And I wonder, I I think you're kind of right on. We crave those connections. We we want to feel attached to people. And then once we feel attached, we want them to succeed. And then as they're succeeding, we want to be a part of that success, whether that's their donation, whether that's their students attending games. So I think that's a good point about the university and the athletic department should be asking, how do we make students feel more connected to the athletes? And I know they've they've taken efforts to do that about having student athletes where, especially football, where their jerseys around campus, but it almost seems like it's not organic enough. And I feel like a lot of the students probably see through that. On the donor end, having a lot of these meet the coaches sounds like that's a great idea to get the community to buy into that. But it's also tough because in all of that, you have to break through the noise of the competition in the area, which is Clemson, which is USC, where even individuals that live in that Myrtle Beach, Conway area feel connected to the coaches at USC and the coaches at Clemson, even the players there. The challenge to what you're talking about, which I think is a great idea, is how do we break through and make them feel more connected to us and take a greater ownership stake in us so that way we have them as fans while at the same time not blocking, but getting past these other institutions that might be stopping us from achieving that goal. It's an interesting way to look at it and also create some interesting challenges with how you do it.
1: We saw that when we our football team went to play USC in Columbia. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had, out of the woodwork, they wanted to see Carolina play. And you're right, for, for the last million years, the only two FBS programs in, in the state of South Carolina were Clemson and USC. So what our job at the foundation and as an athletic department is that educational fees. Yeah. Now our marketing is Coastal Carolina, one of only three SES programs in your state. Yeah. You know what is, it, what is the impact that your donation has? The dollar goes this far at Coastal versus this far at the other two. Our efforts this year are primarily educational aspects. And so you'll see a lot of our social media, especially with our football social media, is constant t- statistics. What our graduation rate is, what what our numbers are in relation to statistics, and it, and it truly is an educational aspect this year, and and that is a unique challenge that we have, but a fun challenge too. It's fun to sit there and say, hey, we're no longer the step sister or the step brother of these two we're we're our own big brother we're our own big sister we're one of the big three and so it is it's going to take time and you know it's, it's people who constantly come back and constantly want to be a part of it that are going to help forge that way and that's the message I tell our donors every, every time I see them thank you again so much for being here you being here is one step closer to creating this legacy we want to create here in Hoyt County in the state of South Carolina in the the southeast region. So, just going to be grinding. I have to know that there's no glory for a while. <laughs> yeah. Not the glory of athletics. There's no glory for a long time.
0: Yeah, and even even when you win a national championship, you know, when Coastal won the baseball national championship, the press during the run was fantastic. And then all of a sudden I remember going back going on to campus after the summer and the students in class could almost care less about it. And so it's not even, right. it's not even that success gets you there. It's you're right. It's this long grind that you have to have people that are dedicated in athletics at the university to doing that because there isn't a shortcut to building culture in tradition. And I've had conversations with people in athletics at different schools throughout my career. And they always want to, Hey, how do we generate a culture? And it's like, well, a culture, the best way to do it is it for it to happen organically. Now, we can try to force certain things, but if you try to force it, it's not going to catch on with the student base. And in college sport, if it doesn't catch on with the student base, it's not going to catch on with the older adult. So often, these mid-sized state universities, they want to look for a shortcut to get there. But unfortunately, it isn't a shortcut. I think your your answer is great, and I'm the idea of educating the fan base, including the student population, on what makes Coastal specifically so unique, what sets us apart from everyone else as a means to educate them, and then hopefully that will convince them to join on and become a fan, become an early adopter of this team in this university's athletic program before it blows up and wins more national championships, maybe in baseball, maybe a deep run in the NCAA tournament in men, men's and women's basketball. Maybe our volleyball team continues to do well and have success. Um, football, you know, maybe they win a conference championship and get to go to a bowl game. To convince them to be early before those things happen, so that way they can feel within that relationship with the athletic department, like they have a part of a part of that uh, with them.
1: I a hundred percent agree.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of challenges and I would love to maybe talk about that just a little bit challenges of working in athletics in general. You mentioned challenge of educating people about the department, about what you do about the success in the history of the athletic department and programs. Um, you mentioned much earlier about a challenge of having to work long hours and being out there till three o'clock and working unconventional hours where you work the weekends and during the week as well. What are some other challenges that, you know, within your experience that you've seen of working within college sport?
1: Well, I say the number one thing that I've noticed, and I fortunately have not reached this point, and I don't know that I ever will, but I see a lot of turnover because of burnout. And, yeah. and I think a way that managers and administrators can help alleviate some of that is to show their their staff their value. And the the smallest thank you goes the longest way. We all in athletics know that we work strange hours. We our Mm -hmm. families are gonna be the ones that suffer. You know, they they're gone on weekends if you're traveling, coaches, administrators, myself as a fundraiser we are out late nights. We are up early breakfasts. Mm-hmm. We are using our lunch break to cultivate new donors. And I think it's, it's finding a way to show your staff you appreciate them. Um, and, and I'm fortunate that our executive director at the Shawna Pre-Athletic Foundation does a great job of that. He'll you know, take us out to a staff appreciation lunch. And that isn't always something that you can do, but I think when you're starting to feel that burnout, Communicating that mm-hmm. is key, and communicating it effectively. Now, when I say communicate, I'm not saying talk a lot of negativity <laughs> to yeah. your coworker. Because if you if you're saying negative things to your coworker, chances are then that's going to seep into their brain as well. Yep. Then communicating to your to your supervisor, hey, I may need to take a morning. Uh, I need to I need to revive myself. Recognizing those signs and. When I was coaching, I would I would do that. I would recognize, am I being an effective coach to these student-athletes, or am mm-hmm. I just getting through this practice? And the second that I would realize I'm just getting through the practice, I would take a, a day to myself and doing whatever it is that I wanted to do because then I felt revived. Yep. Another thing that I think is good is to remember why you got into athletics in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, keep a, I keep a journal, a list of here's why I got into athletics when I was 21 years old. Here's why I sing in it at, you know, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And each every five years I go back and I revisit that list and I change that ad. And if at any point that list starts to get so small that I can't figure out what it is, then I know it's time for me to go out. And I think that the purpose of doing that is revisit what's so great about college
2: athletics.
1: Yeah. Really what's good yeah. about it is it's an for people, and it's a way for people to feel connected without them having to lace up a shoe at all, without them having to to be the athlete themselves they're connected to the journey and the story, and that to me is the coolest thing, and it transcends race, gender stereotypes when when you're there, you're a part of Coastal Carolina, you're you're not gender A, gender B, race A race B, you're a fan, period And that's the coolest thing. So one of the difficulties is is making sure you don't reach that burnout point. And when you do, recognizing what it is, alleviating the problem and communicating it. That would be one of the biggest challenges, I think. And their challenge is, what do you do when you're not winning? Especially in, (laughs) in football, asking people to give you money. When maybe your team is one in five, like we were with football last year at one point, when yeah. I gave a, a push, how do you do that? You know, and and then it, again, it goes back to finding out what it is that that person wants. Mm-hmm. That person wants to connect with their ten-year-old son. There's no better place to do that than at a ball game. So it, it's finding those positives when maybe there 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 aren't that many on the surface. So you got to dig deep and find out what it is and sell or communicate that positive to the public. Um, Scandals are always number one on difficulty (laughs) Like Football player A does this, cheerleader B does that, whatever the case may be. And then what it becomes is, hey, you know what? That happens, we're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds. We think back to when we were 18, What decision-making process do you go through? We're all going to make mistakes. Now it's our job as the administrators to remind people we are not perfect. Athletes are not perfect. Athletic professionals are not perfect. We are humans, and we are doing the absolute best we can. And we're going to do everything we can to to support that mission of providing a great education for these student-athletes, providing a great experience, and when they do mess up, Let's look at how we can mentor them through this, not turn our backs on them. And that's what I tell our donors. Now is not the time to turn our backs on them. Now is the time for us to step in and mentor. Yeah. So that, that's the way that I've, I've helped kind of face that challenge is remembering, reminding them this is what our mission is, is just to create men and women out of boys and girls. Yeah. And here's how you can do that.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because I imagine that, scandals and, and when your team is losing that those are probably the times when individuals working within intercollegiate athletics have the highest rate of burnout because there's so much stress put on them by different entities because And it's tough to look at it and go to a donor who wants to come out when your team's winning and you're not winning and they're calling you asking you why or calling you wanting to talk about how they're not getting the value for the money that they're giving back to the department. When you have pressure from that group, when you have pressure from stakeholders in the community, stakeholders at the university, from professors maybe or from upper administration wanting you to win – it's tough because I agree the, the value of college sport is not in the students just playing the games and competitions. It is, it's in what they learn throughout the entire experience. When you're talking with donors, they might not want to hear all that stuff, or they might give it lip service and then at the end of the day, come back and still say, but I want to win too. And so right. I, I imagine that that creates a lot of stress amongst you and other individuals working in that department when that happens. And that's why I think it's so important what you said about what management should do when dealing with burnout. Recognize what's happening and be astute to it because being in administration upper and upper management is not just about telling people what to do. It's about managing the personalities of your employees to make sure that they are feeling happy and fulfilled at work so that way they can perform their best. It's setting them up to succeed. And recognizing burnout, I think, is a great point. That if you're able to do that and you're able to recognize, gosh, this person is, is struggling a little bit, I need to go out of my way to make sure I tell them how great they did on this assignment or how awesome it is that they generated five new leads for donors. Whatever it might be, or small tokens of bringing, or taking people out for lunch or bringing donuts in the morning, that can mean so much to a person who's kind of teetering on that burnout that you talked about because it just shows a little bit that that organization and that person cares about you and wants you to be successful. Absolutely. So that's kind of the, the challenges. I would like to end up maybe on a positive note. If you could talk about what are the, the kind of the best perks in your experience of working in sport, but really specifically working in college sport. You've had the opportunity to work at three different universities. What's the biggest perks and the biggest or the greatest things that you've taken away from these experiences?
1: Well, one, without question, the friendships that I have made over the, the last, 15 years are some that I could never have ever imagined making Mm -hmm. if it wasn't because of college athletics, not to name drop at all. Just some of my best friends, Mike Tolbert, who is a former NFL player. Mm -hmm. I've known him since he was at Coastal and we stayed in contact when I worked at Coastal. Now that I'm back at Coastal and I would have never had a friend like him if it wasn't for college athletics. And the same thing with Josh Norman, who's a dear friend of mine as well because of that, mm-hmm. but not even just the professional athletes, the people that are in the grind with me, that we started out together mopping that floor when we were 21 years old, yeah. <laughs> we still talk to each other, and if I ever needed anything, you know, boom, I make a call. Maybe I haven't talked to that person in seven years, but I make a call today and it, it's a no-brainer. no, no brainer. It's a no question. They're going to pick up, and they're going to help in any way possible. Yeah. So that's number one, the most positive, is the relationships that I've been able to make. And then the second thing is the professional skills I've been able to develop and real-world skills I've been able to develop are unparalleled, in my opinion, to any other profession I, I could have chosen. Um, on a day-to-day basis, I deal with people who one day – they're on top of the world, and they've been next, they're in a deep depression. That happens in the real world. And I've been able to, because of my time in athletics, learn some coping skills that I can help them with. Mm -hmm. Or my time management, balancing a budget, which, oh my goodness, is is incredibly insane. Just looking at this year with the hurricane and now having to help hundreds of athletes that we didn't know we were going to have to, having to balance a budget helped me balance my personal budget as well yeah. so the, the real world experience that you gain from working in athletics is incredible as well um and then the, the opportunities, the travel opportunities that we're we're given in athletics that those are really really cool we don't even realize that we may be on a bus for eight hours yeah. but next thing you know i'm going from harrisonburg virginia with snow on the ground and then i'm in daytona beach florida mm-hmm. all because i'm in athletic department, and that's what we don't realize. It, it may be work at that time, but when else are you going to maybe be able to travel to a Bahamas Bowl and mm-hmm. go to a bowl game yeah. in the Bahamas? So I, I say those are my top three.
0: Yeah, it seems it seems those people who end up having long careers, oftentimes we'll talk about that notion of the relationships that you develop and those individuals you get to work with because. Those are the individuals when you're going through that burnout or you're going through the tough times, if you're able to develop those relationships early and you have those positive friendships within the organization, it really propels you to wanting to keep going and, and really giving back more to the university. And that's something that's so unique about college sport, I think, that it separates it from the professional is not only do you have that in the office on a day-to-day basis, but normally you have that in the community too. You can develop those relationships in the community that makes you feel more at home with them professional sports maybe not as much the city might own the team or take pride in the team but the college sporting environment and such a tight relationship between the community and the university that you can develop those friendships and relationships in the community too through your participation and work in sports so it's it provides these really unique opportunities i think uh, which is part of the reason why i think so many people actually want to go and work in the field
1: well and you know i think one of the the key elements there of of why the community wants to back a college program or why people want to be in a college atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Just like I said a second ago, you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds and you get an opportunity to have an impact on their adult life where professional sports are already an adult. The decisions they make are on their own. Here, you get to help nurture somebody. You get to have an impact and an influence, which is, so oh, amazing. And, and that's a, a really unique element to athletics is you get to help mold and shape and create an experience for somebody.
0: Yeah. yeah. So last question I have, and I just like to ask this so that way students have an idea of maybe things that they can be doing right now to help propel themselves and set themselves apart if they're trying to actually get into the field. So what advice would you have to a student or, or I guess just any individual that might want to Get into working in college sport.
1: Show up relentlessly. Mm, go to your athletic department and, and, hey, how can I volunteer my time? If they don't have something that day, you go back the next day. You grind and grind and grind and you show your face. When you show up, you become dependable. Anybody can send an email. Anybody can make a phone call. <laughs> yes. Who's going to show up no matter what? Who's going to take the time? to come to a game on a Sunday at four o'clock. You should be that person. Mm -hmm. Who's gonna take the time to talk to your professor about an opportunity? And then follow up on that opportunity. I can't tell you how many times I've linked up students with a coach or an administrator to set up a, a 15 hour internship, 50 hour internship, and then the kid doesn't follow back up.
2: Oh yeah.
1: That's a fifth opportunity create the opportunities and
0: take the opportunities relentlessly. I, I think that's great. And I don't think students sometimes realize how small a world college athletics is. So if, if you rub that one person the wrong way through maybe not showing up, not being dependable, they're talking about that to other people. And if, if your name comes up within the department, you've just burned every bridge. And so just showing up and developing those relationships through just being there and just working hard and just saying yes to things it seems like such simple advice, but I agree like it's it's so important because students nowadays they want to just be able to email you like you said and say hey do you have any opportunities and maybe that's it. They don't even, you know, the, the format of the email might not be great, there might be a number of things going on. They don't recognize that you have a thousand things to do in the course of a day. You're not going to probably respond to that email until late in the day or maybe the next day or maybe you don't get around to it. If you show up and you're there, and you go to someone's office or go to the athletic department and just ask what to do, and then you continue to show up every day, eventually that they're going to find something for you to do because they're not going to turn down free labor. They're not going to turn you down if they have things for you to do. And so I think that's a great way to tell students how to get started. Just be there. Be present. Go. Show up. And continue to do it until they give you something to do.
1: 100%. And I have students all the time They'll email me. And you're right. I, on a given day, I probably get 400 emails. Yeah. And so I'm not going to be able to do that. But if a kid shows up in my office, I'm going to say, Oh, Hey, yeah. All right. I don't have something right now. Come back tomorrow, but I'll have something. Yeah. And they show up they're there. They're going to get that opportunity. I'm not going to go out of my way to reach out by email to somebody when I've got somebody standing in front of me. Yeah. It's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah. And, and I've heard that from other professionals and, uh, not just college sport, but I've heard in professional sport a uh, similar sentiment. So I think that's kind of a great ending point for this. So I thank you so much. I know we, we've hit on a couple of different topics and different areas, but I think you're able to really shine a lot of light into what it is like working in college sport, kind of from your multiple perspectives and jobs to advice on how to get involved in it, advice about how to be successful in it, some maybe challenges and things to look out for if you do get involved, and then some ways to overcome those as well. So. Thank you so much. This has been awesome.
1: You're welcome. And thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: And so that does it for another episode. But before we go, I want to once again thank Kelly for coming on and sharing with us her experiences of working in intercollegiate athletic. Hopefully our conversation today and her insight showed you what it is like behind the scenes and all the effort that it goes into putting on the college athletic product on the field. If you have any questions about this episode or past episodes, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at the Sport Professor. Follow us for updates on upcoming podcasts and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Spotify so that way you can get the most up-to-date podcasts as they’re posted. Until then though, I hope you’ve enjoyed this episode of The Sport Professor Podcast.